1: This is the Tom
2: Hartman Program. Did you all see this letter that Donald Trump sent to Chuck Schumer? Schumer had sent Trump a letter saying, would you please nationalize the supply chain for masks and personal protective equipment and face shields and and ventilators and respirators and N95, would you please do that and put a military guy in charge of it? Now, of course, Trump has not nationalized the supply chain, so there is no military guy in charge of it because there's no nationalization of the supply chain. But this is the insane letter that Donald Trump replied to him with. He said, Dear Senator Schumer, thank you for your Democrat public relations letter and incorrect sound bites, which are wrong in every way. Now, you can tell either Donald Trump dictated this or Stephen Miller wrote it because it sounds like it was written by an eighth grader. Number one, as you are aware, Vice President Pence is in charge of the task force. Apparently, you're know you talking to the wrong guy. Number two, the Defense Production Act has been consistently used by my team and me for the purchase of billions of dollars worth of equipment, medical supplies, ventilators, and other related items. Yeah, we learned that from the New York Times, but you will not use it not just for purchasing. You will not use it for forcing manufacturing. Another lie. That part was not written by Trump. Obviously, he's not smart enough to write that. Number three, a senior military official is in charge of purchasing, distributing, etc. His name is Rear Admiral John polazic He's working 24 hours a day. If you remember, my team gave you this information, but for public relations purposes, you chose to ignore it. Right. He's not answering Schumer's question. Number four. We have given New York many things. You should have had New York much better prepared than you did. And as Dr. Fauci and Dr. Burt said yesterday, New York was very late in its fight against the virus. Might that be because the president of the United States was saying we got this under control. Don't worry. Everything's fine. It's a hoax. Anyhow, as you are aware, the federal government is merely a backup for state governments. If you spent less time on your ridiculous impeachment hoax, which went on haplessly forever and ended up going nowhere except increasing my poll numbers, and instead focused on helping the people of New York, then New York would not have been so completely unprepared for the invisible enemy. No wonder AOC and others are thinking of running against you in the primary. If they did, they would likely win. You have been missing an action except when it comes to the press. While you've stated you don't like Andrew Cuomo, see he's trying to pit people against each other. This is what Trump does. He has no empathy. He has no love. He has no compassion. He, he doesn't have any friends. He doesn't have the ability to trust anybody, but he sure does know how to make people hate each other. While you have stated that you don't like Andrew Cuomo, you ought to start working alongside him for the good of all New Yorkers. I've known you for many years, but I never knew how bad a senator you are for the state of New York until I became president. This, it's like I'm speechless. This is so so breathtakingly pathetic i got my first coronavirus phishing email yesterday i want to warn you about these things because i think it's pretty important this one came from the sba loan group right and it's got a link in it that goes to some url that i've never seen before and so i didn't even click it but the small business administration dear tom The Small Business Administration has issued the official application for the Paycheck Protection Program. We will assist you in complying with all the requirements to obtain this loan at no cost to you. Please complete the form below. After verification of the information and signing the DocuSign, you will receive an email with further instructions. You may need to be contacted by a phone call or email if additional information is needed regarding your application. These loans are done on a first-come, 1st serve basis. Therefore, the sooner we get your application, the better. Right. I guarantee you, if I had clicked on this and filled out their form, they would have been asking for my bank account numbers, for my address, my social security numbers, you know, all that stuff that you need to do identity theft or corporate theft or emptying somebody or some company's bank account. Meanwhile, we're hearing now that Germany has all kinds of empty hospital beds now why would that be well it turns out and frank jordans is writing about this for uh, associated press news ap news late last year scientists in germany last year right this is last december late last year scientists in germany sprang into action to develop a test for the virus they had one by mid-january coupled with germany's large number of intensive care beds and its early social distancing measures this could explain one of the most interesting puzzles in the covid 19 pandemic Why are people with the virus in Germany currently dying at lower rates than in neighboring countries? Germany has 71,000 cases, only 775 deaths. In contrast, Italy has 106,000 infections and more than 12,000 deaths. Well, it turns out it's because Germany developed the test in January and deployed it. And they were testing tens of thousands and then hundreds of thousands of people before February began. No other country in Europe was doing this. This test, by the way, that was developed by this doctor in Berlin, that became the, the, the World Health Organization test. The Trump administration said, we don't need that here in the United States. We'll develop our own. We want things made in America. And now we discover, again, this was on CNN this morning, Quest Diagnostics, one of the two companies that Trump gave a million and a half bucks to and trotted out in front of the nation on their, in one of their daily uh, you know, reality show segments. That that company is is behind hundred uh, over a hundred thousand tests are are like in the queue. People are waiting in many in some cases as much as twelve days to find out if their test is positive. And many of the people who are waiting twelve days are healthcare workers. And some of them are dying. Others are are working while they're presumed to be sick. This is the Tom Hartman program. It's amazing. Meanwhile, we're seeing, I think, frankly, at least morally criminal behavior on the part of some of our hospitals. This is amazing. Nick Kristoff in today's New York Times, or yesterday's New York Times, the article is titled, I Do Fear for My Staff, a Doctor Said, He Lost His Job. That's the headline. And Nick Kristoff points out at least 61 doctors and nurses have died from the coronavirus in Italy so far. In New York City alone, two nurses have died. This is in the United States. In New York City alone, two nurses have died and more than 200 healthcare workers are reported sick at one hospital. And all this is because we don't have adequate personal protective equipment. In Bellingham, Washington, an ER doctor, a fellow by the name of Ming Lin, had worked for 17 years at Peace Health St. Joseph Medical Center. 17 years this emergency doctor has, has worked there. He went on news and said he was he went on the news and he was interviewed by the TV station and he said, I'm concerned we don't have enough personal protective equipment. And Charles Prosper, the CEO of the hospital network, who's refusing to take Nick Kristoff's call, Charles, you're a friggin' coward. Charles Prosper, the CEO of the hospital network, would not even take a call from a reporter. You know, the board of directors needs to fire this ass. He fired this ER physician. He fired him because he went on TV and said, I don't have enough PPE. I don't know how to reach the Peace Health Board of Directors, but uh, if if I knew a way to get to that Board of Directors and suggest that they fire Charles Prosper, the CEO of the hospital network, I would do so. If you know how, maybe you can call in and let me know. In New York City... Dr. Anna Ringswelski, an ER physician, brought her own PPE. She works at the Weill Cornell Medical Center. The hospital refused to allow her to wear it and sent her home. Her future is unclear. In Chicago, a nurse, Lori, Mes- I'm sorry, I can't pronounce her name, but anyhow, Lori warned colleagues that standard face masks distributed by the hospital were not safe. She brought in her own higher-grade N95 mask, and she was fired by Northwestern Memorial Hospital. Does anybody know who the CEO of Northwestern Memorial Hospital is? This is obscene. In Texas, an anesthesiologist, Dr. Henry Nissus, who was in effect suspended without pay. I'm reading from Nick Kristof's piece in, today, in yesterday's New York Times. Was suspended without pay because he wore a mask in public places in the hospital. Nick Kristof says, it's baffling that the richest country in the history of the world fails so abysmally at protecting its health workers, especially when it had two months lead time. And for hospitals to now retaliate, this is both unconscionable and idiotic and obscene. Meanwhile, Senator Bernie Sanders is demanding that postal workers have access to sanitation products and personal protective equipment. He cited a report from ProPublica earlier this month that said that the Postal Service was pressuring its workers to keep delivering the mail even when they have symptoms of the illness, and that they had little to no access to hand sanitizers. Over 200 U.S. Postal Service workers have tested positive. That's as of Tuesday. That's three times as many as the previous week. Now, that's out of 630,000 workers, but still. Uh, the U.S. Postal Service told Huffington Post, though, that they are now starting to make masks and uh, gloves and surgical masks available to all employees. And uh, also that they said they have a coronavirus related paid leave for workers to use for child care if they come into contact with someone with COVID 19. So maybe, you know, Bernie is starting to to shake things up. Meanwhile, we're discovering that on February 3rd, now get into your Wayback machine, February 3rd, the first confirmed case in the United States and South Korea was January 20th or January 19th. February 3rd, about a week and a half later, the U.S. Army warned Donald Trump in an unclassified briefing on February 3rd that 100,000 people could, 150,000 Americans could die because of COVID-19. This is the Army. Came out of U.S. Northern Command, Northcom, And it came two days after Defense Secretary Mark Esper ordered prudent planning for a military response to COVID-19. So the Secretary of the Army asked for it. The Army provides it. They say 150,000 people are going to die if you don't do something immediately. And what did Trump do? Nothing. This is in February. It's now April. We still don't have a nationwide shutdown. This was in February February 3rd, in fact, almost the end of January, Trump knew, Trump lied, Americans died. You're listening to the Tom Hartman Program. It's astonishing. Quick math, the less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR Now through April 15th, NetSuite is offering a -a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program. Just head over to netsuite.com slash Hartman with two N's. netsuite.com slash Hartman. That's netsuite.com slash Hartman. The Army warned the Trump administration on February 3rd that 150,000 Americans could die from this virus if they didn't do something quickly. They didn't do something quickly. And now the Trump administration is saying 150,000 Americans are going to die. Let that sink in. I shared with you the letter, the scam letter, the phishing letter that I got where I'm sure it was probably, uh, you know, a Nigerian scam or something out of India or the Philippines is where a lot of these things originate. Although some of them are coming right out of the United States itself said, we will help you apply for a business loan. Just click this link. Right. And whether I'm going to get a virus when I click on the link or whether I'm going to simply be asked to provide them with all my bank account information. Well, Mr. Resistance Stevie says, Tom, I got a similar scam email, but claiming they would file my Social Security claim for me if I would just send them my Social Security number and phone number. And there was some obscure URL, says Stevie. Please, please be careful and don't open a strange email. Don't send Social Security numbers or phone numbers to strangers. Absolutely. There is going to be an absolute screaming, flaming avalanche of these kind of scams, and probably some of them are going to take place on the telephone as well. Be wary. The government does not contact you and say, we'll send you money. Private companies don't contact you and say, we'll send you money. Don't believe it. James Silverstone says, Massachusetts made a deal with China for some... Oh, I saw this story this morning in the Financial Times with China for some masks. One million masks were flown on the New England Patriots jet. Robert Kraft coordinated that. They're giving 300,000 of them to New York. This is something that the federal government should be doing, as James points out. Yes, absolutely. Meanwhile, Lori Lightfoot, the new mayor of Chicago, new last year made an announcement, a sad announcement this morning. The first police officer in Chicago has died from COVID-19. It's just remarkable. What is going on? Oh, and Sean found for me the board of directors of Peace Health. Peace Health is the hospital that fired in Bellingham, Washington, fired ER doctor Ming Lin, Peace Health St. Joseph Medical Center, where this ER doctor had worked for 17 years because he went on TV and said we need more equipment. Charles Prosper is the cowardly CEO of this organization. Turns out they're headquartered right across the river from me in Vancouver where we have a radio station and we're on the air. So if you know, I've got a list of the Board of Directors here, if you know any of these people, don't harass them or anything, don't go out of your way to hassle them. But if you happen to know them or you know an easy way to reach out to them, it's peacehealth.org board of directors. And the Board of Directors, I'll just give their names. If you know them, you can reach out to them. Please be respectful and just say, it's time to fire Charles Prosper, the guy who was in charge of the organization that fired the doctor. Get these asses out of here. I'm trying so hard not to use language that's gonna get me knocked off the radio. I'm so fried about this. So here are the board of directors of Peace Health: Tim Ackman, who's with Alaska Airlines. The chair of the board is a fellow by the name of Carl with a K, carrier with a C. Charlotte Davenport is on the board. Dan Hollingshead, who's a retired community volunteer. In fact, quite a few of these people are like basically volunteers. They're good people trying to do good things. So again, if you contact them, be very nice. Dan Hollingshead, Lee Kearney, Donna King, Kevin Murphy, who's out of Denver, actually. Andrea Nenzel, who's out of Vancouver. Kathleen Pruitt out of Seattle. Todd Strumwasser, MD, out of San Francisco and Rick Wollenberg, who's out of Longview, Washington. So if you know any of those folks and you have any pull with them and and you can help them get Charles Prosper, this weasel CEO of the company, who refuses to talk to Nick Kristoff, a journalist for the New York Times, get this guy fired, let me know about it. I am am over this. Hospitals crapping on their doctors and their nurses and their physician's assistants and their orderlies and their janitor. I'm over it. The hospitals had months to prepare for this, just like the federal government had months to prepare for this. These for profit, and some of them are not for profit. I, I don't know about Peace Health. I'm assuming it's a non profit the way that its board is constructed. But these organizations have no damn business firing doctors and nurses who speak out. It is wrong. It is a crime. We need to fight back. We need to raise absolute holy hell there needs to be some accountability. These doctors and nurses and orderlies and respiratory techs and and, I mean, you know, you fill in the blanks. The people, right down to the janitors, these people who are every day walking into a hospital are probably facing a higher chance of dying than I did back in the 60s when the draft was going on. These people are literally risking their lives to be there for you and me. And then they get these damn managers and CEOs and people running these hospitals going, oh, we can't have it look like we're not doing our job. We will fire them. Screw you, Charles Prosper. Anyhow, <laughs> tell, us, tell us what you really think, Tom. All right. I was talking about earlier how the president is opposed to the 17 states that require a uh, doctor's slip basically or maybe it's 14 out of 17 17 states it's hard to get a, an absentee ballot. Trump does not want people in those states to be able to vote by mail. He said you'd never have a Republican elected again. And down in Georgia, you've got several Republicans now freaking out including Matt Gates. But Frankly, the only way that we're going to succeed in having a functional national election in November is with vote-by-mail. And what does vote-by-mail require? A post office. Well, the post office, its revenue is collapsing because business is not doing business, so businesses aren't mailing things. And, I mean, even junk mail is down, all kinds of mail is down, and projecting now that the post office will run out of money by June. That's five months before the election. So, so what do we do? Well, it turns out that the reason that the post office is running out of money is because back in 2005, the post office issued a press release saying that they had a surplus of funds and they were going to move their entire fleet, the largest fleet of gasoline-powered vehicles in the nation, they were going to move their entire fleet over a 10-year period from gasoline to renewables, a combination of hydrogen fuel cells and electric vehicles. And immediately, the fossil fuel industry jumped all over oil industry CEO George W. Bush and oil industry CEO Dick Cheney, and they pushed through legislation in 2005 that said that the post office needed to start saving $5 billion a year out of their operating funds and setting it aside in a trust fund that cannot be touched for 75 years to pay for the health care benefits This is assuming 75 years from now we still have private health insurance paid for by employers to pay for the health care benefits of retired postal employees who have not yet been born. It was a naked attempt to kneecap the post office specifically to prevent it from rolling out a fleet that would have been a complete game changer, rolling out a fleet of renewable energy vehicles. This was done as a total kiss the ass of the oil industry, the fossil fuel industry. That's all they were doing. And as a result of that, the post office has been running at or near a deficit for, for a decade now. It's, it's, it, the post office is in a crisis. And now when they're running out of, you know, they don't have mail to deliver, and they're sitting on $30 billion, actually, I think it's probably closer to $70 billion, $5 billion a year for, what has it been, uh, 15 years now? Because the Republicans renewed this, recall. So... You know, this was a crisis that was manufactured by Republicans on behalf of the fossil fuel industry. And all we need to do is say, hey, post office, you can tap that 70 billion or whatever it is trust fund that you've got for your 75 years from now retirees. But don't expect the Republicans to go along with that. Meanwhile, down in Florida, real, real interesting stuff. Rick Scott went from being the CEO of a corrupt, a medical products company that when he was CEO that committed the largest fraud against Medicare in the history of America. He went from that and he made millions off it. He became worth just a little less than $100 million as a result of being the CEO of this company. And so then he bought himself the seat as governor of Florida. And then he bought himself the seat of United States Senator from Florida. Because if you use your own money, according to the the Buckley decision back in 1976, there are no limits on how much money you can spend. I mean, you know, see Bloomberg, right? And so this is Rick Scott, the fraud guy, buys himself the governorship. So what does he do when he's governor? Well, he wants to have really good unemployment numbers. So he has the state's unemployment system, and in particular their website through which you apply for unemployment benefits, completely redone So it's almost impossible to qualify for unemployment benefits. Now, back when the unemployment rate was 2.9%, you know, there were a few thousand people screaming about this, but nobody was paying attention to them. But now that you've got, you know, a third of the state trying to go onto the website and apply for unemployment benefits, it's become a problem. Politico, Gary Feinout and Mark Caputo wrote a piece about this called It's a S-Word Sandwich. Republicans rage as Florida becomes a nightmare for Trump. That's the headline. And they point out that thousands of unemployed workers are unable to navigate the Florida system to apply for help, and they're blaming Republican Governor Ron DeSantis and Republican Senator Rick Scott, former governor. Privately, Republicans admit that the system is doing exactly what Rick Scott designed it to do, lower the state's unemployment numbers, reported numbers of jobless claims after the Great Recession. One DeSantis advisor said it wasn't about saving money. It was about making it harder for people to get benefits or to keep benefits. Now, keep in mind, this is an advisor to the current governor of Florida talking about the former governor, Rick Scott, who is now the senator from Florida. It wasn't about saving money. It was about making it harder for people to get benefits or keep benefits so that the unemployment numbers were low to give the governor something to brag about. The chairman of the Republican Party of Florida says someone should go to jail over that. All of a sudden, Republicans in Florida are worried about poor unemployed people. DeSantis says the state is going to have to resort to paper applications because the website is so intentionally broken, and they're going to try and build a mobile app. Yes, right. That's going to work out real well. It's incredible. And at that, he also cut the benefits. The maximum unemployment benefits in Florida, regardless of how much money you've been making, are $275 a week. So, uh, you know, this guy in DeSantis' office, he says, everyone we talked to in that office when we asked them what happened tells us this system was designed to fail. He goes on to say, that's not a problem when unemployment is 2.8 percent, but it's a problem now, (laughs) you think? Hey, we have a special new video up for supporters of our program over at TomHartman.com. And it's about how FDR in 1944, in fact, January 44, in his State of the Union address, talked about how important it was to add rights to the Bill of Rights. The original Bill of Rights was all political rights. He said it's time to enshrine economic rights in our Constitution. I would add, like most of the governments of Europe have done, And this includes the right to housing, the right to food, the right to a good job that pays well, the right to an education, including a college education, and the right to health care. It's pretty powerful stuff. And frankly, I think that what this coronavirus crisis is proving is that we are all in this together and that Reagan's thing about government is never going to help you was just a load of crap. And so you can check it out over at TomHartman.com.
3: And uh
2: let's see here, Norma in Montgomery, Alabama. Hey Norma, what's up?
4: Well Tom, I've been thinking about that check that supposedly people are gonna get for being unemployed, that six hundred dollar check they're gonna get for, for a week, above yeah. their no, once a month.
2: No, it's per week actually. It's twenty four hundred dollars a month.
4: Well, that's different. The six hundred dollar check is supposed to increase their unemployment check for one check a month and that's not enough so people across the street have two jobs each which they average four hundred dollars a week on and so that's the unemployment check it's about three hundred and twenty dollars here in alabama for maximum so they're going to wind up short about five hundred a week and there's no way they can make it and i keep thinking about all of these bailouts that we've done and um, mm. Pelosi is trying to get a commission started to check to see where the money goes, and they're laughing at her on Fox. But if they can pull a trillion, four or five trillion dollars out of thin air for the rich, why can't they pull more money out of thin air for the people? We, the people, can no longer afford the rich. We cannot afford the rich anymore. We, the people, need help.
2: And they're not getting it. Yeah. What, what am I missing here? I'm, I'm, I'm looking at CNN. In a historic expansion of unemployment insurance, the federal government would give jobless workers an extra $600 a week on top of their state benefits for four months as part of the $2 trillion stimulus bill. I thought this well, was like I'm a big wrong. chunk of a, of a billion of it.
4: But uh, well they're, Regular they're state benefits that...
2: range from 200 to 550 a week, and this will add 600 per week to it. And this is why on Fox News and on Right Wing Hate Radio, they were saying that this is going to be a disaster because there's going to be a lot of people who can make more on unemployment than if they keep working, but I'm pretty sure that that's how it works.
4: Oh, okay. Well, I watched Bernie's speech in the, on the Senate floor where he was yelling at the Senate for being snobs and putting the poor people down. But the majority of the money, you know, they're talking about another bailout to bail out the oil companies. And then Mm -hmm. they're going to probably come up with one to bail out the communication companies when people can't pay their phone bills. And And Trump is meeting with
2: the oil companies. He's meeting with the six or seven industry executives.
4: Yeah, and I don't know who what that man's name said this was fifties oil prices, and that's not true. Because I remember on a Sunday ride when my father stopped to get gas, it had always been eighteen cents a gallon, and it went to twenty two cents in one week. And my mother thought he was going to kill the man. But um, no, no. I remember it was twenty five cents a gallon. Yeah, Yeah, well, we could bail out anybody but us. And so far as I'm concerned, we can no longer as a country, afford the rich people. They've had yeah. enough.
2: I'm, I'm with you. I'm with you. Get in the back of the line was my uh, rant a couple of weeks ago. I'm absolutely yeah. with you. Thank you, Norma. Well said. David in Portland. Hey, David, what's up?
1: The press conference that Trump had where he's addressing the nation, saying that you be nice to him, he'll be nice to you, regarding right. the uh, states wanting medical help.
5: Isn't that right. direct quid pro quo?
2: It is, and
3: yeah.
5: <laughs> of
2: the most vile type. I don't think that you could call it bribery or extortion. I, you know, arguably it is, but it's in the political realm. But you know, he's uh, what Trump is doing is getting people killed pretty soon in New York, they're going to be cutting people off ventilators or refusing to give them ventilators because they simply don't have enough, while Trump is sitting on 10,000 ventilators saying, well, I'm waiting for the red states to get sick, and then I'll deploy these ventilators. Marshall in Asheville, North Carolina. Hey, Marshall, what's on your mind today? Protests. I think we need Protests. to find oh, some... Protests. Oh, yes. Yes. Uh... things. It doesn't seem
1: like we have any viable options anymore. I don't think the big marching in the street demonstrations have done much since uh, the Vietnam War and civil rights. Calling your congressmen, I know you always promote that, but Tom Tillis and Mark Meadows here don't care what I say. And uh, the coronavirus is going to prevent everybody from marching in the streets. So I'm wondering what kind of new forms of protest can we engage in? And I do know that in some parts of the country, they're sort of doing a food, not rent situation. Could we perhaps bust the banks instead of the people?
2: I think that rather than protesting right now, Marshall, what we need to be doing is organizing. Um, You know, if uh, you're in North Carolina, if you can get uh, two, three, four, five, six, eight, ten people that you know of like mind to not just register to vote, but make sure that they have a mail-in voter registration, um, you know, so that they're gonna get a ballot in the mail. Um, That's probably the most important thing that any of us can do right now, because the the entire, entire, literally the future of the world is gonna turn on this election in November.
1: Yes, and that's what troubles me. Uh, If they steal the election, what do we do then?
2: Well, it'll be a whole lot harder for them to steal it if we do mail-in ballots, because there's a paper trail. So yeah, you know, the post office. The, 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 yeah, well, okay. I, I, I don't think that they're going to let the post office fail. Um, but, you know, we do need, there's a lot that needs to be done for the post office right now. And the fact that the Republicans have stolen, you know, tens of trillions of dollars from the post or forced the post office to stick it in a slush fund just to defend the, the fossil fuel industry is obscene. But, yeah, I get your point. Marshall, uh, my advice for what it's worth is register, you know, get your, get your mail-in ballot or get on the list for it, and get all your friends on the list for it. It's not enough to just register to vote anymore. And you've also got to find out what your mail-in ballot rules are. Some of these red states are going to require you to make a copy of your driver's license and send that along with your mail-in ballot. If that's the case, get ready for it. Jeff in San Francisco. Hey, Jeff, thanks for watching Free Speech TV. What's up?
3: Just sent you a Twitter about the, the rent strike going on in L.A., They're uh, driving around uh, Garcetti's uh, house honking, and there's going to be a lot of strikes. Yes, and I think it's going to get pretty ugly. Nobody's been working through March, and if you're paycheck to paycheck, how are you going to pay April rent? They say it's supposed to take 20 weeks to get our $1,200. Meanwhile, we have trillions for the stock market. This is going to get pretty mm-hmm. ugly, and is anybody yeah. going to jump on board and grab this and say, hey, you know, people are, I know some people are saying Bernie needs to jump on this. He, he, tw- he sent out a, tw- a Twitter the other day about this and, uh, you know, how people are losing their health insurance. Mm-hmm. I mean, something's going to pop pretty bad here in April, and um, but, uh, you, what, do you, right. what is your projection?
2: In particular, when people in the red states start realizing that they have more in common with people in blue states than they have in common with the royal family in the White House, it's going to get real interesting. Although I would point out, Jeff, that Ammon Bundy, remember the guy who took over the Malheur um, Wildlife Reserve here in Oregon and who, whose uh, buddies were you know, sighting off a bridge down at federal agents? He's the son of Cliven Bundy. Ammon Bundy went out yesterday and did a whole YouTube thing about how they can't stop us from having meetings, they can't stop us from from gathering together and praying the way that we want. If they try to do that, I, me and my guys, we will show up and protect your rights. So this could get ugly, very ugly, very fast, depending on how it plays out and whether or not you know, and what the Trump administration does. I can see this going in so many different directions the tragedy is that we don't have any kind of reasonable leadership from the top. I mean that's just the absolute flaming tragedy. Jeff, thanks for the call. Uh, thanks for the heads up on, on what's going on at Garcetti's house. I'll have to look into that.
0: Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills there's a big learning curve with welding virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need learn more at meta.com metaverse impact
2: there's a lot in the news today just give you a quick recap of some of these things one trump campaign official interviewed by the los angeles times uh, brad Reed, published this over on raw story claims that trump's campaign is quote terrified that the covid virus this virus is going to hammer the rural counties where trump's support is so strong they put together a basically a white paper that says you must pay attention or you're going to lose the election Bottom line. And, you know, is Trump paying attention? Is he going to lose the election? I, You know, I don't know. I think the Republicans have a plan in place to prevent vote by mail in the 17 states where it's difficult or very difficult to do and then claim when the Electoral College vote is counted that they couldn't certify the vote in their state. Therefore, there won't be the number of electoral votes needed to win an election. And therefore, the election will be thrown to the house with each state having one vote there are 50 states there would be 50 votes and the vote is determined by the state's legislature and there's 34 or 35 states whose legislatures are our majority Republican which means that Donald Trump gets re-elected if the election gets thrown to the house this is under the 12th amendment and you know I think this is what he's planning for number two a new analysis this is by covered America it's the state insurance marketplace that was created by the Affordable Care Act in California And they did this analysis, and they said, okay, people are losing their jobs, and so they're losing their employer paid for health insurance. Without employer paid for health insurance, there's less employer dollars going to the insurance companies, so they're losing customers. Their pool of people who are covered is shrinking. And those would be the healthiest people, the ones who are employed, right? That pool is shrinking at the same time that the costs associated with this coronavirus from testing to treatment and everything else are exploding. And they're gonna get a hell of a lot worse as time goes forward. So how do these private for-profit insurance companies deal with this? According to this study done by Covered California, next year, we're gonna see 40% increases in insurance costs, which frankly, I think, could lead to a death spiral for the insurance industry. This is very scary news. Meanwhile, we have these kind of stories. Last week, a 17-year-old boy in Los Angeles County died from COVID-19 after he was denied treatment at an urgent care center. This is a 17-year-old. Why was he denied treatment? He was uninsured. Rex Paris, the mayor of Lancaster, California, who did not agree with that decision, said he didn't have insurance, so they did not treat him. It's amazing. And meanwhile, Trump's followers. I mean, this is getting truly bizarre. Trump is saying, well, you know, it could be 2.2 million people dying. He's quoting that study out of the UK of America, and he's saying, well, if only 100,000 died, then I did a great job. That's, you know, that's a third as many people died in the Civil War. We lost a little over 600,000 people in the Civil War. We only lost, you know, 3,000 people on 9-11. It was 2996. Both Hiroshima and Nagasaki in 1945, the death toll in those two cities combined was 146,000 people. Trump is saying that he's going to kill more Americans than Hiroshima and Nagasaki killed Japanese, and he should be congratulated for that as having done a very good job. And meanwhile, Trump has new allies. There's a new movement that had seriously, this is a thing, and it's huge coronavirus truthers. They are taking their cameras to hospital parking lots, the visitor parking lots, and discovering that hospital visitor parking lots all across the country are largely empty. And they're saying, see, this is proof there's no coronavirus. It's all a hoax. It's being made up by the media. Well, the reason that the visitor parking lots are empty is because you can't visit a hospital anymore. They won't let you in. No matter who is in there, whether it's your brother, your sister, your dad, your mom, your wife, your husband, your kid, you can't go in. And so, you know, nobody's in the parking lot except these idiots with their cameras. But it's become a cottage industry. They've got their own hashtag. It's hashtag film your hospital. Check it out on Twitter. Just, you know, search for that hashtag, film your hospital. This was started by a QAnon conspiracy theorist. And these guys actually believe this, that, that this whole thing is just a hoax. You know, people are not parking at the hospital because they're not going in for elective surgery. And like I said, they can't visit anybody. But this to the QAnon people, to the called coronavirus truthers, this is proof. It's all a hoax. Mike, in uh, Mike, I don't have a city for you. Where are you calling from? Miami. OK, what's up?
0: Call before. I'm in the military, 22 years now. Kind of over, as you mentioned. February 3rd, we were getting briefings for this stuff way prior to that. And I will say, I mean, I've been out of the office probably about a month now. Just came in today to switch out the laptop, that kind of thing. So we've been getting those briefings, and it's crazy the difference in places. So I've had to like let my neighbors know. What they were telling us, because no one was telling them anything. And Miami, Florida, and itself, they just passed down uh, information that we're going to go into a, sort of like a yeah. lockdown, right? Like it's, it's right. not even like a full lockdown. And it's still, churches is not exempt, you know. so Yeah, Ron DeSantis it, exempted it, churches, didn't he, Mike? He exempted. This he is he nuts. Exempted churches, the worst. I mean, one of the worst things you could. Probably do, and 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 no one could. Yes, really let's kill people,
2: people who Church who are
0: religious. Is not maybe
2: Ron DeSantis hates Christians, Mike. Maybe he just hates Christians. <laughs>
0: right? You know, it, it's unbelievable, man. So Brian, you're so saying? Man,
2: let me let me just be be very clear about this, Mike. I was sharing this reporting that on February 3rd, the Army notified the Trump administration that over 100,000 Americans could die from this coronavirus if the Trump administration didn't do something. February 3rd. On February 10th, Donald Trump said, it'll go away in April. We're in great shape. On February 26th, he said, within a couple of days, it'll be close to zero. On February 27th, he said, it's going to disappear like a miracle. On February 28th, he said, it's the Democrats' new hoax. On March 4th, he said, people can recover by going to work. On March 6th, he said, anyone wants a test, they can get a test. They're perfect. On March 7th, he went golfing. On March 8th, he went golfing. On March 13th, he said, I don't take any responsibility at all. And you're saying way back on February, and I'm saying way back on February 3rd, the military was saying hundreds of thousands of people are going to die. And you're saying you're in the military, and you were getting those briefings before February 3rd?
0: We were getting the briefings before February 3rd. And then once, uh, once March hit, twice a week, we will have our surgeons come up and talked to the whole command, let us know exactly what was going on, where they were at test-wise, where the most information they he had about it. So basically, we went into this thing by the 15th of March. We went down to pretty much half. And then uh, shortly after that, the director came down and basically, sh- I wouldn't say shut us down, but basically said, all right, there's no interstate travel. There's definitely no out-of-country out of travel. Everybody coming out of out of the country, into the country, is going straight into 14 days quarantine. Like, they gave us from top to bottom. And so I would, I would go home, share some of this info with my neighbors, and they're looking at me like I was crazy.
2: Because they're watching Fox but, News and listening to Trump.
0: I wouldn't even say that. They're just working, going about their lives, and just not mm. getting that information. Right? It's It's... That's been the biggest part. Um, As far as optimism, you know, I kind of look at my kids, the neighbors, and then kind of try to share some of the information that we've been getting. Uh, The neighborhood I lived with some delivery people, and, you know, we kind of been joking about how they're they're, uh, (laughs) delivering more things than ever before, you know, and, and, and seeing, like, their reaction to people getting the packages and washing them outside, that kind of thing, and they're just looking at them like, well, if you're doing that, what is UPS doing for me? Our
2: FedEx and UPS drivers and delivery people, they're on the front lines too. Tim in Loa, Oregon. Hey, Tim, thanks for watching Free Speech. What's up?
5: Virtually every day these White House briefings come in, all they are is campaign speeches for yep. Trump. You know, he's yep. interjecting all this stuff about the impeachment and so forth. I'm wondering when he's going to start throwing Hunter Biden and Monica Lewinsky and Hillary Clinton into that stuff. You see what I mean? That's how pathetic he's getting. You know, yep. And the thing is, yeah. you know, you're talking about Fox News. If Sean Hannity tonight went on and said the stock market's fine, the coronavirus is a hoax, you know how many millions of people in this country would believe that guy? That's The, the scary majority problem, of the Fox
2: News watchers, they're, it's a cult. I mean, it's just like Jim Johnson yeah. drank the Kool-Aid, well, they drank the Kool-Aid. Exactly,
5: yeah. And you know, the thing is, even like CNN and MSNBC are giving him a little bit of credit for finally waking up. Well, if you hold a gun to the head of a lunatic, they're going to even realize there's a problem. You see what I mean? Yeah. So that's what's happening. It's It's scary. You know, and people are just misinformed and uninformed, is what it amounts to. And I, you know, and about the only good thing you can say about what's happening is if it gets to the point where it really gets out of hand, we're only going to have one solution, and that's to be logical. Otherwise, we're done, basically. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I'm
2: with you, <laughs> Tim. I got to move along, yeah. but thank you for the call. All right. Mike in uh, Council Bluffs, Iowa. Hey, Mike, what's up?
3: Oh, I was just wondering if Trump might be considering this as his equivalent of the Reichstag fire. You know, you allow enough confusion and get the states to fight amongst each other and confuse and frighten the people to the point where uh, they're willing to accept a strong, well, essentially dictator.
2: You know, the bottom line here is that this this demonstrates a danger. I've been talking about this for three years, that Donald Trump, and, and in particular, Trump and Bill Barr, are moving the United States in a direction where if you had a president who was actually competent... I mean, competent at being evil, competent at being a dictator. If, he, if you had a president that was as, as competent as Viktor Orban, for example, then we would be in deep doo-doo already because he has radically increased the power of the presidency. Bill Barr and some of the right-wingers in the Supreme Court are aggressively pursuing nakedly anti-American, anti-small-d democratic policies. So on the one hand... I don't think Donald Trump is going to make this his Reichstag fire. He's tried in his pathetic little ways. He's tried to blame it on Democrats. He's tried to blame it on Obama. He's tried to—you know—I went through that list yesterday. You know, the 12 or 13 different people that, on various occasions, Donald Trump has tried to blame this on. Now he's trying to blame it on the states, and he's blaming it on nurses. He's saying nurses and doctors are stealing personal protective equipment. Hospital administrators are exaggerating how many ICU units and how many ventilators they need. Governors are lying to us. He's blaming everybody else. What Hitler did was evil and brilliant, brilliant evil, whatever you want to call it. Because the Nazis, there's still a debate among historians whether Marius van der Lubbe was hired by the Nazis or not. He was a young man in his 20s who was almost certainly a schizophrenic and probably a paranoid schizophrenic. He was mentally ill. And he was smuggled into the basement of the the, the the parliament building, their capital building. He was smuggled into the basement, and the Parliament building. All the giant walls of it were hung with these tapestries, some that went back to the to the twelve hundreds, right? These giant tapestries that were very flammable, and he was apparently smuggled in. There were several buildings whose basements interacted with the basement of the of the Reichstag, uh, but it appar- they appears to have come out of one of the office buildings that was controlled by the Nazis, and. Marius von der Lubbe ran around with a torch and set on fire all these tapestries, and it turned the building on fire. Hitler was having lunch with von Papen just down the street when this happened and was ready for it. And when the fire happened, Hitler ran to the front of the fire or ran to the street in front of the burning parliament building and got a microphone. You know, the media was there. It was radio back in those days. And he said, this is a sign from God. And he blamed it on the communists and the Jews. And he said, we need strong leadership now that we're under attack. Hitler knew how to exploit a moment like that. Donald Trump is too incompetent to do it, at least so far. Now, the danger is, and as long as he runs this family business with people like Jared Kushner, who are just as stupid as he is and just as confident that they know everything that they don't know, that's the one thing that's keeping us safe, I would say. But if or when Trump leaves office, if another Republican comes into office who is willing and competent to go down the road that Hitler and Stalin and others have gone down, Trump has plowed the soil for them. Did you see where this guy hijacked a train in Los Angeles near the port? And tried to drive a locomotive into the ship, into the USS Mercy. He was a QAnon follower. And he believed that the Mercy, that the ship was going to be taking good, loyal, patriotic Americans who happened to get infected with the coronavirus off to Guantanamo. These people are nuts. It's it's mind-boggling. Anyhow. Anyhow, Keno in Lakeland, Florida. How's our uh, Republican moose herder here uh, surviving, Keno?
1: Well, trying to hang in there, Ready to leave the party yet? Well, Ralph Nader told me that I need to stay in the party because there's a need for somebody to call for reform in the Republican Party. So that's the only reason Ralph Nader encouraged me. So a new idea during these trying times is to... Get people to do letter writing. I want grandparents to write letters to their grandchildren. I want friends that haven't talked to each other in a long time to write letters. You know, history sometimes benefits from letters that were written during uh, certain times of history. And also, I want to invite Joe Biden to start writing some short Letters, about two pages, a series to the voters, which can be later put composed into a book. But uh, to encourage this letter writing, I want Joe Biden to lead the way, and he can write these letters that uh, will encourage people to set out the views of what we want when we change comes about. But like I say, I'm hoping the Moose Herder Coalition will evolve into Republicans for Biden. So what do you think about the idea of encouraging Joe Biden to write a series of short letters that can be put into a book later?
2: I think it's a great idea. And he is starting to do sound bites and things in the media. He just doesn't get much coverage because he's not bombastic like Trump. And he's not president. But he should be running a shadow government, my humble opinion. I think also to turn this to a a more somber note keynote, people in their 60s and 70s and 80s, in addition to making sure that their will and their personal facts are in order, particularly given that we don't have a lot to do right now, might want to take this as an opportunity to write long letters about their lives to their kids. Yeah. You know, Tell them, when my dad died, I was going through his uh, papers and I found a five-page letter that he wrote to his father when he joined the army in 1944. And, uh, or 45, whatever year it was. It was the year that the war ended in Europe. And I just sat there crying as I was reading this letter as my dad is pouring his heart out to my grandfather. You know, I'd never seen it before. Uh, you're onto something, Kino. I think you're really onto something. And good luck. Hang in there. You're, you're going to reform the Republican Party one of these days. I know it. Kino, thanks for the call. Nance Greggs over at DU posted a plea to Trump humpers. <laughs> and I love it. Nance says, please, if you are a Trump humper, if you're one of the people who, who believes Donald Trump's lies and, and has been watching Fox News for months and thinks that this thing is all a hoax, and so you can go to church and you can hang out with your friends and you can party hard, please wear your maggot hat so that we can you know know that you're probably infected and we can walk at least six feet around you. I encountered one of these people yesterday. On my walk, I talked to you about how important it is to get out every day. And there's a really nice trail, you know, uh, near where we live that, that goes along the Columbia River here. And I was walking on that. And it's, it's about a f- three-foot wide trail, but it, there's grass on either side. I mean, it's it's a neighborhood, actually. And uh, so you could just walk over on the grass and get six feet away from people. And so, you know, when, when people are passing each other on this trail, and there's, you know, typically people out there, we all, you know, move six feet apart. Well, this guy was walking right down the middle of the trail. I walked over to one side expecting him to move over to the other side, and he just kept going right down the middle of the trail like, I'm going to get near you, buddy. And so I stepped off onto the grass and walked quite a ways, and as he walked by, he kind of sneered at me. And I'm like, people like this should wear their maggot hats. They should have a red ball cap that says Make America Great Again so that we can know that they're probably infected. I mean, it's, it's like, you know, the rest of us know what's going on. The people watching Fox News and listening to hate, right-wing hate radio literally have not known what's going on. I mean, we've been talking on this program, I've been talking since early January, about the importance of getting ready, about how we're going to have to shelter in place. People were criticizing me. I was saying, you know, be sure you've got at least two weeks worth of food in your house. And people were like, what, are you crazy? You're hoarding? You know, and this was in January. No, this is coming. And sure enough, here it is. I mean, you know, it's been, we've been doing this, I think we're in our third week right now of, you know, working from home and being at home. And if somebody's running around being infected, for example, the Life Tabernacle Church in central Louisiana, last night had a service, 500 people showed up. Some guy brought a bullhorn and stood outside the church yelling to Tony, Pastor Tony Spell, the guy who says that, Uh, this virus we believe is politically motivated this is what he told a local radio station or local tv station this guy with his bullhorn he's like come out tony come tell us why you're endangering people's lives but spell remained defiant he told his 500 parishioners he says this is a conspiracy to undermine christianity in the united states right no it's a virus you idiot put on your maggot hat so i can see you coming please Beverly in Dixon, California. You got a quick one, Beverly?
4: Yes, I do. I heard on the local news this morning. I live close to the capital, Sacramento. I heard on the mm-hmm. local news in Sacramento County, one third of the coronavirus cases have been traced back to attendance at church gatherings. So the people in Florida should know that the virus is not afraid of entering a church. It's a small sample. It's just for that county. However, I think mm-hmm. it's indicative of what the people in Florida are going to face if DeSantis doesn't do something.
2: That's remarkable. Beverly, if you can find a news story to that effect, you know, a local news story or anything like that, can you tweet it to me?
4: No, what happens is I live in the country and there's no internet uh-huh. service out here. And the ah, library I where I go to get on the internet, they're all closed. <laughs> so
2: I'll make a note. I'll go looking for it. Beverly, I got to run, but thank you. Thank you. I'll go looking for it. John in Apple Valley, California, you get the last minute. John, what's up?
3: Uh, I was just wondering if there are any studies that compare the population of the community uh, that gets the virus versus the healthcare workers. Because I'm wondering about the dosage effect, thinking that the healthcare workers would get a much higher dose of the virus, being as they were dealing with people that were um, quite sick. And that might give us an idea of how infectious the virus really is, because we still don't know how much of it is in the community because we don't have the test. Right. And it might be yep. that it's not as infectious as we really think.
2: Well, or it might be that it's a hell of a lot more infectious than we think, and that's why it's burning through country after country. No, I haven't seen any studies like that, John, And to answer your question. But I do know that something like 26%, I believe, of all the people who are sick in Spain right now are health care workers. It's just burning through the healthcare working community. And it's going to happen in New York. It is happening in New York right now, too. The health care workers are falling. It's really, really tough. And all because Trump screwed this up so badly. Get out there, get active, or you know, do it from your computer. Tag, your it. We'll You've it. been listening to Tom Hartman. For audio and video archives, visit
5: TomHartman.com.